The next adventure of Disney Conversations is about to depart the station. I hope you're all excited for a new journey. All aboard! Well, hello, Taurus. Welcome back to Disney Conversations. This is tour number 123, and we're going to kind of jump back a little bit. I know a few years ago, we celebrated the 50th anniversary celebration at Walt Disney World. But as I recall, we didn't really talk a whole lot about the history before that. We talked a lot about the celebration or the lack thereof, and we're not going to go there today. (laughs) But joining me this... (laughs) Yeah, joining me this week is one of our great tour guides, Lori Harding. Welcome aboard, Lori. Hello, Matthew. Thank you for having me. I'm really glad you're here. As we were saying, uh, 52 years ago, on October 1st, 1971, Walt Disney's Florida Project began operations as Walt Disney World, and specifically the Magic Kingdom. And I thought it'd be kind of a cool idea if we looked back a little bit to the circumstances under which that all came to be, because it wasn't all a straight shot. There were a couple of zigzags thrown in there, one big one. And so today I just want to concentrate on getting us to the Magic Kingdom. And then I think next week we're probably going to talk about how plans for Epcot changed from what they were supposed to be to what we see now. And then after that, we'll probably do a combination of Disney MGM Studios and Animal Kingdom just to kind of round out how the property developed. We'll throw in a little bit about resorts too, but we covered those at length about a year ago when Diane and I did a series, so we don't really need to talk about those a whole lot. Does this sound like a fun topic to you? Yes. Okay, good. (laughs) I'm glad because it'd be very boring if you didn't have anything to say. I'll try. You're going to test my knowledge, but that's okay. Happy to talk about it. That's (laughs) okay. Well, you know, you can get on YouTube and you can watch the old video that was done in 1966, where Walt introduced the Florida Project. He had big maps up on the wall. He had some little models of things of what he was expecting to happen and everything. But I want to go back before that just a little bit and talk about how things progressed. You know, after Disneyland opened, I think Walt's mind turned to making something bigger something that would allow them to have the ability to create. I think it probably all started maybe even before Disneyland was open. What do you think, Lori? Well, I would think it probably did once he realized the constraints that were going to be on them in that Anaheim area. I mean, I know it it isn't like today, clearly, you know, but it is a tight space. There's not a lot of ton of room to go places or to move and add and, I mean, yes, it was orange groves at one time, <laughs> way back when, right. but I think once they realized what he was up to, people snatched up what they could around. So sure. where are you going to go that's got enough open space that isn't on top of your original park and right. it's going to have a climate maybe that's, well, we could rethink the whole tropical theme <laughs> down there, but for us North, right. Northern people, but that's going to generally be warm enough all year round for people to want to come to but not 
cost you more than everything you own <laughs> to right. buy the land up. One thing I want people to understand is while we know now that Florida was where they settled, that wasn't where they started. Really? Although I, I think they were thinking about it, but they wanted to check out some other places. So I, I went back and looked and on November 17th, 1963, I remember that day. Well, I was two years That's old. That's before my time. <laughs> <laughs> Just a couple of years. <laughs> Walt, along with some members of his family and an entourage of executives, started touring the U.S. for the Disneyland East Project. That's what it was called then. They went to the Northeast. They went through the Midwest. I think they ended up in New Orleans eventually. But in the middle of that, on November 21st, they reached Florida. And from what I understand, they spent some time flying as low as that plane would go to really get a good look at the land in the area of central Florida between Orlando and Tampa. Now, unfortunately, that was also at the same time that President Kennedy got shot. So it kind of really put a damper on everybody's mood for a little while. Fast forward a little bit to the 64-65 World's Fair and Walt Disney gets asked to create pavilions for a number of different brands and i think that's where the co-branding may have started i think we also have to remember that with walt there was roy walt had the ideas roy come up with the ways to pay for him so along that time throughout 1965 there were mystery purchases being made for tracts of land all around central florida They were done in secret by several corporations, quote unquote, that we now know were part of the plan. A lot of secrecy was created to throw reporters off, but there was one reporter, and I forgot to write her name down, but she was with the Orlando Sentinel, and shortly before the announcement in November 1965, she came out in the newspaper and said emphatically, It was Disney. Now, in that initial purchase, Disney bought up 27,443 acres of land. Might we add swampland? I was going to say, they bought swamp. (laughs) And from what I understand, and folks, I'll just be honest, I got the information out of the 50th anniversary book because I have one. It's a souvenir. If you don't have one, you should see if you can find one. Uh, It's got a lot of good information in it, but according to that, he paid a total of $5 million for this much land. Do you know what that is in today's money? Um, No, but I'll bet you it's a lot more than $5 million. if there's a way to figure out. Probably. I didn't have time to look up all the names, but if you're walking down Main Street USA at Disney World, and when you get to, I think it's called Center Street, goes off to the right if you look on that that building there right ahead of you second floor the big window has all the corporations listed that were dummy corps for buying up the land that became walt disney world gotcha so laurie have you ever seen the video where walt introduced the florida project yes pieces of it i think i saw it on disney because isn't it part of the whole imagineers series on disney plus 
but they I think there was a little blurb from that at least on one yeah. of those. Yeah. And I'm probably I wanna say I have a vague memory as a child watching it like be repeated on what what was it? What was the Disney thing on Sunday nights? Why is my wonderful world of color? Yeah. I feel like we used to watch that every Sunday night. And I feel like yeah, they showed probably. it again there. And for perspective, I just Googled $5 million from 1965. You want to know? Yeah. Sure. $48.734 That's a little increase. Just just a little. Yeah, just a just little. Just a bit. Okay, so we know, we know all this took place. We know there was a press conference on November 15th, 1965. It involved the governor of Florida, a number of other people, um, commissioners and what have you, and Walt Disney himself. He flew in Orlando. They announced together that, yes, Disney World is the project that's being developed. But unfortunately, there was a wee bit of a bad turn in that on November 15th, 1966, Walt died. I actually do remember that day. I've said this before. I remember when that came on the news. I was sad because, like you, I had seen a. I, I actually got to see a lot, lot of Walt Disney live when I was that old. I mean, I was almost six. I do have memories from that time in my life, and that is one of them. I was not born quite yet. <laughs> <laughs> Two more years. <laughs> yeah, geez. Boy, I, ro- I robbed the cradle on this one, didn't I? Okay. Uh, yeah, just a couple of years. So, <laughs> you know, the first challenge was buying the land, and Walt met that challenge. The second challenge, I think, the second biggest challenge, was clearing and rerouting all the water that existed in this swampy area. I mean, good Lord, the old pictures, you see more water than you do land. Yeah. Where did all of that dirt come from? That's a good question. I don't know that. I don't know the answer to that. What I do know is that he got a couple of good people. I believe Admiral Joe Fowler was one of them who led the entire, for lack of a better term, campaign to get that land turned around. But the problem was there was nobody to really run the project after Walt died until Roy stepped up. I think it was about a year later. Roy finally stepped up and said, we have to get this done. It was Walt's final dream. So Roy kind of took the lead. He got Joe Fowler and a couple of other people involved. And somehow they engineered enough dry land I don't know how they did it, but I mean, when you walk around or ride around Disney property now, there's lakes that didn't exist back in the 60s. There are little rivers. I'm thinking Sasagula right now because that's the one I know the best. Right. There are all kinds of little waterways that are basically runoff ditches for any time the rain comes along so that the water has somewhere to go. I think that was rather ingenious of them to come up with that idea. I'd like to know more about how it got done. Like I said, you got to think of the size of just Magic Kingdom alone, which we know is the second floor. 
So right. how much was brought in underneath that? And how much of mm. Seven Sees the Goon stuff was there ahead of time? Or is that pushed? Oh, like, is that deeper than it was? Like, Did they dredge the stuff out of the, out of the swamp and pile it up and use that as the land? I don't know. Yeah. I think that's possible, but how long would you have to wait for that to dry before you come Well, that's it just it. But then how do you truck in all of that dirt, too, that it would have taken? Like, It's unfathomable how much stuff. Right. Let alone that the infrastructure of the roads weren't there, a lot of it. Well, then add to that the challenge that they'd set an opening date, and it was not flexible, according to everything I read. October 1st. 1971 was the opening date, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Now, when you think about this, if Walt died in 66, and let's just say middle of 67, Roy steps up and says, okay, we got to get this done. Mm -hmm. Four years. That's still only four years to turn this property around, at least a portion of it enough, because if you remember when it opened, not only was it Magic Kingdom, but the contemporary and the Polynesian were both in place, as was the monorail systems. Wow. In four years' time. But the yeah. technology of the 60s. <laughs> now Disney announces a project, and it takes them five years to start digging. I don't get that. But that's a problem for another time. <laughs> <laughs> that has bureaucratics written all over it. <laughs> in Walt's original plans... I think he had at least two other resorts that were supposed to be near Magic Kingdom. I mean, I just watched through some of the video today, and in his initial plan, he talked about the Magic Kingdom and having several hotels and motels in the immediate area for easy access to the theme park. And even he was planning at first to build a Disneyland-type theme park to get things started. At least that's that's the impression I got off the video. Okay. And that makes sense because it would be a quick generator of income. Well, and they kind of had the dry run with Disneyland in that a lot of, and not a lot, but I guess a lot of what was there is in Florida. So it was just a matter of they, right. they, knew, they knew what worked from mistakes they made in Disneyland. So they did have that you know, knowledge behind them to some extent, right. but you're dealing with a different right. climate, you know, swamp <laughs> as opposed to orange <laughs> grove, um, you know, things of that nature, but there's a whole lot of nothing there. So yes, you would need places to put the people you want to come. Yeah, you really would. But unfortunately they only had the two. So yeah. they got that done. They got the monorail system in. That was a, a challenge in its own right. But, Essentially, in roughly two years, after they got enough dry ground to start building, they built the Magic Kingdom, both resorts, and they created Seven Seas Lagoon. I'd say that's pretty ambitious. Yeah. I, I mean, when you think about the what was their opening day, that's a lot in that amount of time. Well, and that's a good question. That's let me look that up real quick because I can't remember off the top of my head. Opening day. Um, I didn't remember that. Not everything was open. What was in process on opening yeah. day? Right. 
There was a lot going on. And while they did have an opening on October 1st, it was a couple of weeks before they had, I think, the official opening because they actually had more to choose from at that point in time. Uh, obviously, we had Cinderella's Castle. It had to be there because it was the focal point of the park. Country Bear Jamboree was there in Frontierland. Mm -hmm. And the video I watched showed them programming the animatronics for the bears. Oh, how funny. That was pretty cool. Dumbo was there. Now, here's something that's still there today, but I've never actually done it. The Frontierland Shooting Gallery. They're actually talking about taking that out, I've heard. The rumor has it could be on the chopping block because of Tiana. But we know they didn't have everything mm -hmm. open. We know that for sure. Um, it's a small world, I believe, was mm -hmm. open. Yep. Yep, that's on the list. Um, Jungle Cruise, Liberty Square Riverboat. No. Actually opened the, the second, second day. Yeah, I still saw that, and Peter Pan opened the third. <laughs> you know what? That's close enough for me. Teacups were there. Yeah, I've never been on, never will be. Charlie and Speedway. Yeah, there's something everybody jumps on. <laughs> Actually, you know what? It is still a very popular attraction, especially for people with young children yes. who are tall enough to get into. My daughter was nine the first time we went there, and she got her driver's license oh, on the Tomorrowland Speedway. Yeah. Yes, she did. Then you say hit a certain height and you, or, or a certain age, and you can't get in and out of them again. So there's that. Right. But uh, Yeah, they, they, they don't make it easy for the old folks. So quite a few attractions were there opening day or at least opening week. And that's good to know. I look at the way things are at Magic Kingdom now. Come to think of it, it really hasn't changed a whole lot overall. I'm glad they've still got a lot of these original rides there. Some of them have gone through some refurbishment and updates and stuff. But, you know, we've lost a few along the way. When you when you consider that you can take Disneyland and put it inside the Magic Kingdom two and a half to three times, that's a pretty good size difference. Yeah, I didn't realize it was that much of a difference. Yeah, one of the things I thought was cool was watching how they literally orchestrated all the crews up until opening day. I mean, just a year prior, Main Street USA was dirt. Their command center was a high-rise tower that was right in the center of what turned out to be the hub. Oh. And from there, they were basically directing crews into the different areas to do the work they had to get done. All right, that makes sense. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the force perspective because we know that's something that Disney likes to yes. do. Do you know enough about Cinderella's Castle to chat about that a little bit? A little bit, sure. From what I can remember from my Magic to Marceline, or Marceline to the Magic tour I took a few years back, I don't remember some of it, so. Okay, so when you walk up to the castle, how tall do you think it is versus how tall it really is? Well, when you're looking at it from the far end of Main Street, by the train station, mm -hmm. to me it looks like it is so much, I mean it's tall, we know this especially if you've been to Disneyland first 
and you see how short their <laughs> their castle is in perspective yeah. to Florida, but it's that uphill look. So you think it's a little higher than it is, but I know that it's, I can't mm-hmm. remember the exact figure of how high it is though. I bet you know one. I believe it's like two feet short of what would be required to put a beacon on the top of yep. it for the airport. I think that's why the one in California is what it is. And the reason it looks so tall is because, I don't know if you know this, I'm sure you do, but when you walk into the Magic Kingdom, you're at the lowest point of the second story of the Magic yeah, Kingdom. Yeah, you start going up as you're going up Main Street. You don't realize It's it, a gradual Gary. uphill. Yeah, you don't realize it, but it is uphill just enough that by the time you get up there, you start to realize the t- castle's not as tall as you thought, but like you said, from a distance. It is at 189 feet tall. Yeah, it says the castle itself believe... is 183 feet from the water yeah. up, but there's another six feet under the water. Right. I just Googled that one, too. <laughs> okay. I think that's actually one foot below I think 190. of what they would have needed yeah. for a for a beacon for aircraft. Correct. I believe. Now, we all know that for the most part, aircraft try to avoid flying anywhere near the magic kingdom because i don't know maybe too many people would try to look out the windows or something. <laughs> i don't know i've never quite figured that one out but when i'm there i don't see a lot of jet traffic flying right overhead or if you do they're quiet you don't notice it i don't think it's right. in a flight path and that could be part of who knows why need it Aviation expert yeah. <laughs> could tell you that. That I can't help you with. <laughs> I I do remember that Walt Disney talked at one time about having an airport at Walt Disney World. What a lot of people don't realize is there did used to be a small airstrip. And if I recall correctly, it was adjacent to Fort Wilderness. You could see it years ago when I was back there back in the 80s. When you took a bus from the Lake Buena Vista resorts into Magic Kingdom, you passed that airstrip. Now, it wasn't big enough to land a big jet on, but a lot of the smaller planes and some of the executive jets were able to fit on that airstrip. But you had to get special permission to fly in there. Gotcha. So I think that would have been cool if that could have been done. And this is going to feed in a little bit to our discussion for next week. I think we need to go ahead and point out the fact that Epcot was the dream of Walt Disney. And what it is today is not what he had planned. Epcot was actually supposed to be at the very center of the property. Magic Kingdom is pretty much as far north as it can be, uh, except for the cast area right behind it. So. You know, it's a lot of land, but the Magic Kingdom, I am very sentimental. And when I walk into the Magic Kingdom, or maybe more importantly, when I walk out for the last time, I always have tears in my eyes. And I sometimes wonder, is Walt proud of this one? I think he would be. I'm sure there's things he's... collectively potentially rolling his eyes at but i think overall you know i would hope he would be it it is very much i mean having been to both disneyland and disney world it's a little bit of a different feel 
in Disney right. World than it is in Disneyland. And I think some of that's that little bit of magic to my own brain that I know that like Walt actually got to go to Disneyland. Right. Because he never got to go to Disney World. He never got to see this one Finish. live. Yeah. So that feel yeah. that the feels hit me a little different in one than the other, but I definitely right. Uh, I am the sentimental sap who cries every time I watch the fireworks, with the exception of a few disasters in there between. <laughs> now, happily ever after's back. I'm good, but yeah, um, we always go in, and the first ride we always go on is the people mover, and I'm like mm-hmm. an idiot, and I'm like, well, I'm so clever, but quietly to myself in the corner, you know, I'm that girl. But on the way out too, yeah, not happy. <laughs> I just always feel like I'm actually leaving home when I leave there. Yeah, to some extent. Yeah. I think that's what Walt was going for. He wanted people to feel like they were at home in his place. So, you know, say what you want. The Florida Project is huge. There was a lot that had to be overcome. Again, I applaud Roy because, number one, he took the helm and decided that this had to get done. Here we are now. In 2023, much of the Magic Kingdom has not changed a whole lot, with the exception of, and I am going to bring up a little bit of a sidebar. <laughs> big, big surprise. <laughs> I just saw an article today about people being stranded on rides all over Disney World. Now, the ones stated in the article were specifically at Epcot, but we know this is going on everywhere. And one of the writers said, and I don't disagree, that they think it's because of the lack of regular maintenance being done on the attractions. And I have to agree. I have to think that if Walt Disney were still around, that this is one of the things that would not, would not go away when it comes to cost cutting. If these attractions are breaking down, it brings into question safety. And if a minor issue will break them down, what would a major issue cause? Because if you let the minor issues go long enough, they will become a major issue. Exactly. At least that's been my experience. (laughs) Any vehicle I've ever driven, yes. (laughs) Just walking down Main Street, USA. Okay. When we were there last year, I took a look at some of the exteriors. And there were some issues I saw along the way. They weren't big. They didn't necessarily stick out, but there was paint chipping in certain areas. There were dirty spots on the exteriors of some of the buildings. There was lighting out at nighttime in a couple of spots. Again, very small. They were out of the way, but I remember when Main Street USA got completely painted every month Yeah, because They wanted it to look fresh when people came in. And all they did is they rotated what building they did on what night. They would paint one building one night. Next building building next night. night. Yeah, Yeah, they'd make their way all the way down around Main Street the whole way in a month. Block anything off. You didn't have to close anything down. You do it overnight. One, two, three. You didn't have to hang a scrim. No, because you can change out those plants in the front. Overnight to go from Halloween to Christmas. You could paint a building in the night. Right. Yeah. And that's what they used to do. And they would also have crews that would go into Haunted Mansion, Pirates, anything that had a ride vehicle. 
and they would go through them. They would carry a screwdriver and a pair of pliers and a, and a couple of wrenches because they knew what size wrenches they had to carry. That's all they would take in with them. And they would do the screwdriver test. And if something was loose, they tightened it. If something was too tight, they loosened it enough to make it roll. Whatever it was, they took care of it. If there was an animatronic that was acting up, if they couldn't fix it right away, they put it in B mode, which means it still showed up. It just might not have moved. Right. Where was it that we heard? Was it Haunted Mansion that one of the animatronics? No, it was um, the carousel. Dad's head fell just... off in one of the scenes. <laughs> that shouldn't happen. No. It shouldn't. I... Little kids seeing that probably freaked out, and some of the adults <laughs> might have too. Uh, I mean, weren't we missing a caballero for a while? <laughs> Over in something. I can't remember the yeah. last time I rode Small World, which I'll be honest, was not the last trip we were there. It was probably the trip before. So we're going at least six years back. And right. one of the animals being like eyes rolling up in its head and it just everything looking like it needed to be painted. And I was kind of like, what? Yeah. Why? why does it look like this? you know well and at, at Ep epcot spaceship earth mm -hmm. we know they've been talking for several years now about taking it down for a year and giving it a complete refurb but can we at least fix some of the lighting inside you know the little newsboy that you go along you hear saying extra extra yeah. he's supposed to have a light on him he's been dark the last two years i don't know if i ever noticed a light on him at all that's funny. He used to be illuminated. Okay. I'll let you know when I go in January if he's if he's when, lit up. When, <laughs> when I was there in the 80s, everything in there had a light on it because they wanted you to see yeah. it. Yeah, well, that's the point. <laughs> Either way, I don't think he's supposed to be completely in the dark. You, half the people don't even know he's there. No, other than if he knew he was there. Yeah. Right, which I did, so I looked for him. <laughs> and <running>. I <laughs> think I saw it. I think I saw it back in there, but... Now that I think about it, I don't remember if it was moving or not. Maybe that's why the light's out. Oh, maybe. Well, dang, how was that yet even broken over an animal kingdom? <laughs> well, that's going to take more to fix than just a <laughs> tightening of a screw. I, I don't write that, so I couldn't tell you. But <laughs> so, so there, there you go, folks. I mean, uh, we didn't go into a lot of depth here. I didn't want to spend all night trying to go through this all but i just kind of wanted to give everybody a thumbnail sketch of who walt disney was what his dreams were for the florida project and a little bit of the timeline of how they go and um i found a really good youtube video and once i post this episode i will attach that video to go with it it's only about 16 17 minutes long but it gives you a quick look at everything that went on in Magic Kingdom to get it ready to open. I like YouTube for that. It's a great tool. I think the Disney Plus has an, the imaginary one, it does definitely go deeper into Disneyland. But I feel yeah. like they touch on Disney World at the end. I think they it's did It's been too. a while since I watched it. But that's, I mean, even go back and see how Disneyland came to be too is interesting. Well, and I just saw today that Behind the Attractions is coming back for season oh. two starting November 1st. Nice. So that may have some background on some of the Magic Kingdom attractions as well. That that would be really cool to see. I have done, like I said, the one tour where it was Marceline to the Magic, and we did get to, it's not as deep as the Keys of the Kingdom. There we go. I knew it would come to eventually. <laughs> I'm like, why well, can't I think of this? Morgan wasn't old enough 
to do it the year we that the whole family did it so everybody went but the two of us so we a couple of later years later did the marceline to the magic which is like the condensed version of it instead of it being six right, or eight right. hours it's only like three or four and yeah. getting to go into the back side of the haunted mansion was one of the coolest things i've ever done there so now see i would have liked that the the backstage magic tour failed in a number of ways and i don't think that's one they've brought back and probably with good reason because it is an eight hour tour you're in all four parks you're rushed through yeah. and you don't get any access to any attractions that you can actually enjoy gotcha on this tour and you pay two hundred dollars for it yeah the only part of that tour that i enjoyed was eating at whispering canyon cafe <laughs> Wow. That was our lunch. Okay. I enjoyed that. But no, folks, if you're looking at doing a tour, look for Kings of the Kingdom because two things, you do get some access to attractions. They take you in through a backstage door or something to get on. I heard somebody last week got to do Haunted Mansion. We, we, did, well, and, yeah, we did Haunted Mansion and she took us through the whole queue. And I know stuff about that queue. I never thought I would, I would never have picked up on. And then while we actually rode the ride, she was in our ears telling us all the different things to look at while we were inside. And then we went around the back and came in. Now that would be cool. Came into the, that uh, would be cool. The whole ballroom. Well, we didn't come in. We got the, we got shown the line on the floor. We weren't allowed to step past her. We would have been part of the ballroom. So, but yeah, she would have been on stage. Mm -hmm. Which is some, another buy, too. I can't remember what one, but we did another one. So, yeah, if you can afford it, folks, do the tours. Just don't pay $200 for the backstage magic one. Uh, <laughs> the only reason I had to do that was because Keys of the Kingdom got canceled because I was there the week that they were doing the Christmas party. Oh, gotcha. So they upsold me from the Keys of the Kingdom tour, which was $79 to the backstage magic which was two hundred and nine dollars if i recall correctly I think the keys to the kingdom is a whole and lot more than that now probably yeah. but it's worth yep. it well Lori, i appreciate your helping me out here today um you got any closing thoughts you got here not a one i can think of right now to be honest with you <laughs> it's only wednesday and it's been a really long week <laughs> Yes, I hear you. And I've got limited time for editing, so I'm going to be busy because i got things going this week. Hopefully we didn't give you too much to edit. <laughs> There's only one squirrel I heard, nah. so we might be okay. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll be okay. Okay, good. And folks, that'll do it for this tour of Disney Conversations. I hope you've enjoyed the banter and some of the craziness. <laughs> we sure enjoy doing it for you. I mean, if we're not having fun, you're not having fun. But we hope you'll join us for our next tour when we take a little bit of a look at Epcot, where it started and where it ended up. We'll talk to you then, folks. Thanks again, Lori. You're welcome. Anytime. We hope you enjoyed this adventure of Disney Conversations. We'd love to hear from you, so jump over to the Disney Conversations Facebook page or email us directly at DisneyConversations at Outlook.com and let us know what you think. Until next time, tourists. PTFN, ta-ta for now. <laughs>